posed this question a couple of times on my Twitter account. Have you ever been more excited for a Leaf road trip? Because I don't know about you, like, everything that's going on north of the border here and those two games, and it's just, like, the way... It, it, it was like stepping in a time machine to a year ago at home against Ottawa, at home against Edmonton, no fans in the stands. It feels like you're watching a scrimmage. It's awful. There's no stakes. Oh, and the, both those teams suck. Yeah. So like, even if they get those W's, which I'm happy they get the wins, they need all the wins they can. But you're right. Just watching that, it was just like. Oh, it's, I can't I believe. Hard, like, I was like, I'm just going to make sure. Like, I'm going to take my notes, make sure I watch the game tonight. And you're just watching it. And I'm just like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so boring. It's so boring. Oh, they scored. Oh, it, nice. It's so boring. Yeah. Like, at what point, if this goes on longer. Like. So they're pushing back these games in, in the Canadian markets because they're losing money on, like, gate revenue. Yeah. Right, ticket revenue and like concessions and all that. Who who's to say that by the end of January, February, that the Canadian government will all of a sudden let people back in the building? We don't know that. I don't think that's gonna happen. So at what point do we just let the Leafs would fill the building every night in Buffalo? Like like let them let them play their home games somewhere in the US. Let all find Homes for these teams somewhere in the U.S. You because go, you want to go Blue Jays on this. I can't. Yeah, because I can't. I can't do this. Mm. I'm making this all about me. That's just so. Like, I mean, from a selfish point. Decision making that I can't even begin to think about the process of making that happen. Like I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. So fired up Saturday night in Colorado. Two heavyweight teams in the league going toe-to-toe. Fans in the stands. Like, it's just the Leafs come out flying. Why? Because they're stoked to be in a building in front of people. Yeah. It's just I can't believe that we're back here doing this. It's awful. Like, Like, last year, I think, you know, we're coming out of the first wave of COVID, and you're just happy to have something to watch, Mm -hmm. right? So you're like, okay, you know what? We'll we'll deal with the empty buildings and we'll get over it. Yeah. But now having had pe- people in the building for the first part of the season to go back that Saturday night, that New Year's Day game against well, the did Ottawa it make it, Senators. Did it make it worse because they were playing two Canadian yes, teams? Yes, <laughs> that's what I meant. It's like stepping in a time machine it wasn't like the last year. like the Rangers year. were in town. It was like, here's Ottawa and Edmonton. Yeah. Like... Well, but, but they're pushing back. Like, they're supposed to have Carolina come in, and they push that game back because of the, the ticket revenue. Well, there's that. there was that report that the Jets were sniffing around their season's taking, season ticket holders that they wanted to play some games in Saskatchewan. Yeah. And they were like, no. Yep. No. Yeah. No. It's just like, I... I think you're going to be watching some hockey games in an empty building. But... Especially when it comes to the Leafs. Like, I don't know how Eugene Melnick feels about... Having a empty arena because that guy's the definition of a penny pincher. But I mean, I, I don't see how you could look at a bunch of these guys and be like, I, I don't know how you figure that whole thing out. So as far as I'm concerned, they're playing in front of an empty building for however long it takes. I just think, you know, like it's 
they're not like there's no guarantee that this is going to come to an end. There's no guarantee that the Canadian government all of a sudden is going to go f- end of January going to go, "Okay, we can let 10,000 people in the building again." That's not happening. No. So, like what are we doing? Because one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to not be able to make these games up and then you have all kinds of and then you have a huge mess on your hands with like some teams have played point 82, percentage. some teams doesn't point percentage That's that sort lot. of thing. game because it does suck and it makes sense and like everything's not always fair and if you got to do it you got to do it but that's that's a disaster that i think they will go to the nth degree to avoid so and i know that this might not be the same thing for some of the other canadian teams yeah but the leafs would fill the building every night in buffalo (laughs) <laughs> Let them play some home games. This is the ultimate troll job Let for them, Sabres fans. <laughs> Let them play some games in Buffalo. I'm sure the Sabres fans would be, yeah. be like, oh, let them play some team home now. games in Buffalo. Yeah. Like, let them do it. Like, mm. like honestly. Yeah. And at least then you're you're making up some, like I, like I said, I know you're not going to, like, I don't think anyone's going to show up to watch the Senators play in Buffalo. No one watch. No one in Ottawa shows up to watch. Exactly. So play. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so they're on a they're on like a four game road trip here, and thank God because it's just so nice. Like, talk to me about the the Saturday night game against Colorado. I thought coming out they they looked good. They weathered that early PP, and then boom, boom, boom. Kerfo- all of a sudden, Alex Kerfoot is Yari Curry, yeah. and it's that line hits for three goals. Second period, flying, amazing. Probably, like, one of the best. You know, they were getting outshot by the end of the second period. I thought the first 40 minutes for a road game, like, you couldn't ask for any more. And then... They kind of ran out. Of, I, I, it was a mix period, of them running out of gas and, and, a, and a good team just turning oh, it up. Yeah. yeah, Colorado is they're, they're very leafy like. Yeah. I think they're faster than the Leafs. Their their defense, they have the most dynamic back end. And not so much defensively. Like I could see them running up against a very good team and losing because their back end isn't the most defensive back end ever. But boy, when they start jumping in and being active, man, they are hard to stop. And that building was on fire, and I thought the Leafs just like flat out ran out of gas. And made some bad decisions. And it sucks because you were watching and you were, like we were texting. We were like, oh my God, this team's like amazing. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're playing so well. And then it's like, well, they blew a three nothing lead and a four one lead. Yeah. So it's, I feel good about how they played, but at the same time, it's like they still blew a four one lead. They lacked that. All I kept thinking about was, um, Brendan Shanahan at the end of the last season talking about killer instinct. Yeah. But he, he, they lost to a, v- a team that many consider to be maybe the best team well, in the NHL. And I don't, you know? I, I don't necessarily think that that's the worst thing. They still get no. a point out of it. And it's like, listen, like and that was a playoff atmosphere yes. type game. You weren't playing. That's the problem with playing in an empty arena. Too. That, it's like you took the words, just took the words right out of my there's mouth. There's just no stakes. There's nothing. Edmonton is, is really struggling. Ottawa is just a non-factor. So you go into a road building against probably the hottest team in the National Hockey League right now. And it didn't go your way, but they were in it the whole time. 
The third period was tough to watch a little bit. Jack Campbell played pretty well. It sucks how they couldn't get it done, but I mean, they, they've been off yeah. for a long time. They yep. played two games and hopping into that intense environment. Like it just, I think it just got to them by the third and yeah. And, and, and like you said, balancing, and this is going to be a tough thing for the Canadian teams for the rest of the year. Like it's like you, when they played Edmonton this past week, they looked bored. Like they looked like this sucks. Yeah. Like we don't like no jump, no nothing. And you can't, you can't blame these guys. No, you can't blame them. So I don't know. It's, I, it's weird. It, this is a weird time because they had so much time off. It's like the league is just from when we did our last podcast yeah, to it now, is, it it's is. like everything's changed. It feels like a totally different season. Like it was almost like I was completely refreshed as a hockey fan watching, watching the, last well, night. Well, and that that's why the COVID break hasn't necessarily been the worst thing. It's in been this. a great thing for them, I think. Yes. Like Campbell got the rest he needed. Marner's yeah. back, Sandine's back. Like, but you could also make the argument that on the back end of this, it's all going to catch oh, up. Oh, see, so that's the other problem. Yeah, yeah. So if the Canadian government does all of a sudden decide, okay, we're going to let people back in the building, the NHL can make their gate money back. Yeah. It's it's going to be every other night. Yeah. And, and yeah, the so, back end of this could not be pretty, but they had some injuries. Um, They had some guys who were probably laboring, and this is the time of year where you don't have a healthy lineup. And I know a couple of guys were out because of COVID last night. I thought they really missed that that camp, yeah, Kasha Engvall line last yeah. night in the third period. But um, Kasha, man, like, like God, like, just stay healthy for five minutes, dude. Like, <laughs> seriously, like the guy's whole career has just been injury after injury after injury, yeah. and now, of course, a non like everyone else has COVID except this guy who's hurt. It's just mm-hmm. like, come on, dude. Stay healthy. Well, at least the price won't be running up on him. Yeah, because he's he's the only guy on a one year deal. You know so. who the price is running up on? Jack Campbell. <laughs> well, we don't know that yet. Oh, we we know that. Well, we know we, we know, know that it's it's run up from he, where it was. But... Can I can I like can I give you a hot take on Jack Campbell? It's rare on this podcast that anyone says anything negative about Jack Campbell. But like again, last night after the game. You know, like just puts the loss on himself. It's like, stop, dude. Like it, it's getting to the point now where it's like, it's coming. It's like disingenuous. Like that save he made to make sure it got to overtime, or actually they were still up four three, where he mm. dove across the net and caught. Like, come on. I'm trying to think of the goals last night. I thought the only goal that I'd like to have back is the OT goal. Yes, but Matthews just- gets caught out on the ice there. And yeah, but like the, the guy was coming in on a short side, and he had nothing to worry about in terms of a one-time position. It was just him and Taves face to face, short side. And he gets beat in the five hole, but that that was that was arguably the most predictable. And like, there was no way after getting outshot, what like twenty to three in yeah. that period, oh, yeah. that all of a sudden they were just going to turn it on in overtime. No. They looked gassed. Yeah. So I, I'm not I'm not going to look at it as like a as like a huge negative but it's i mean it's it's a wake-up call for them and they're gonna have to figure out that they these canadian teams are gonna be presented with a unique challenge where you you're gonna go from playing if they let them like it seems like they're willing to let the canadian teams play the canadian teams in these empty buildings Mm -hmm. but they're not gonna let them like like january 17th the devils 
is that game going to get pushed? I don't know. Right now it says it's it's on. Yeah. But is that going to get like Cuz again, at certain at a certain point the NHL is going to have to take it like as you said, the last thing they want to get in is points percentage. And I agree because you just even look at don't the do sta- it. even look at the standings right now. Like I think the Leafs having so much time off has put them in a position where you look at the standings being like They've actually had a really good year so far. Yeah. I know they lost the game last night, but now Tampa Bay's played five more games than them. The Leafs mm-hmm. going a three-game win streak. Like, they're caught up. Yeah. They're not that far behind the Panthers. And you just, it, it, the whole standings in every division is just out of whack right now. And I, I don't know. I, I don't. This is a mess. Like, this yeah. is... I like... I could sit here and we could talk about power plays, penalty kills. But when it comes to figuring out schedules and, like, you're talking to the wrong guy, yeah. man. Like, I, I have... No idea how they're gonna figure this out. Like, whoa. Um, in one of the more bizarre turns this week, Nick Ritchie gets put on waivers, yeah. um, clears, and then because Marner and Engvall go into the COVID protocol, he's right back up playing with the team. Um I don't know about you, but I I wasn't shocked to see him. Like, you know, Ilya Mikheyev's come back, he's played very well. And he's kind of pushed. First of all, they're in cap trouble. Yeah. And second of all, he's kind of he's kind of taken that spot. And Nick Ritchie is an interesting guy where he he needs to find a role for himself, like a fourth line type role. And you can argue, like, well, he gets paid too much money to be a fourth liner, and that's true. But at the same time, it's like that's what he's going to be on this. I love how team. like this team is so tight that like. Two and a half million is yeah. is like such a big, big deal. deal. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And all the guys who who've come in with him who are making less and sometimes like significantly less are playing way better than he is. I I, I know he's the 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 argument for him is he's a big body and you just hope that maybe in a he doesn't play like series, it though, man. But like, dude, the guy yeah. he can't skate. No. Like he he took a bad penalty last night yeah. in the third at the end. I know they didn't score on that power play, but like five seconds after the power play was over, they scored. Yeah. So like I know he scored a goal, but it was kind of right place, right time. I, I, I totally get it. And it's funny seeing Sheldon Keefe be so like protective over his like confidence in a way. Like so, they don't go out and they don't sewer him. They But that tells me that they've they've spent some time with him and they've um sort of assessed that this this is a guy who's really down on himself mentally well it's just like what 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 do you get out of putting him down yeah what does he get and what do you get out of putting him down do you what do you think of the argument that i saw some people make this week where it's like you know what if you send him down and he plays in the marlies he could be a guy because there's no salary cap in the playoffs he could be a guy that you could call up in the playoffs just for some added depth yeah for sure yeah yeah and i mean he is a big body like you just hope that like that big body comes and does something for you but Right now, the way they're playing, yeah, I mean, he leads their team in hits, actually. Yeah. But I, I Ilya Mikheyev comes in, and the only gripe about Ilya Mikheyev last year was the guy couldn't put the puck in the ocean. Mm. Comes back, he's got what does he got? Three goals yeah. already, and he looks, he looks. And this- he, we know he can skate. We know he can kill penalties. <laughs> kill penalties. You have to. He's on the second power play unit now. Um, so it's kind of like. Ilya like Engvall's kind of played himself into a spot now, even though he was out last night. Well, because he's a guy, Nick Ritchie needs to take a page out of that Pierre Engvall book, where it's like Engvall has made a role for himself. He's well, like Engvall can skate. I, yes, I'm a third. But you know what? Go out there, play on the fourth line, throw your body around, mm-hmm. make 
if you go out there and all you do is hit guys, I'm fine with that. Yeah. And you're making a guy look over his shoulder before he goes in the corner with you. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Like that, that's what you have to, if you're going to stay on this team, that's what you have to do. You have to create a role and a spot for yourself. And he just hasn't, he hasn't done that thus far. And that's what he's going to need to do if he wants to stay here. But what, like, you know what drives me crazy about him? It's like, it'd be so, if I were him, it'd be so easy to find that role. If you have reduced your expectations to the point where the team doesn't even expect you to chip in offensively. It's like, Okay, like I'm six, whatever, two hundred and forty pounds. Like, why don't I just go out and munch guys but along I think, the board? But I all think game long. I think you answered your own question earlier when you said that Shell. You you're noticing that Sheldon Keefe is really protective over his mental state. This yeah. is a guy that is really fragile mentally. And the and team, so the team is protective too. It's not yes. just like Sheldon Keefe. Every time a guy can get behind a microphone and they ask a question about Richie, they're just like, ah, he played well tonight, and blah blah blah. It's like. Yeah, they can't say enough good things about him. Yeah, yeah. it's it's an odd situation. Mikheyev's a funny one because he's come back and he's played well, and everyone, everyone, just enjoy, sit back and enjoy this production from Ilya Mikheyev because this will be his last year in a Toronto Maple Leaf uniform. Like he's, yeah, he's. See you later. He, I don't care. He like that part of the reason I think why he's playing so well is because this is a prove it. Uh, year for him and Jack Campbell's going to get whatever money you're, you would want to pay Ilya, Ilya Mikheyev. So salute Ilya Mikheyev. You know, I, when Edmonton was in town, even though that game sucked, yeah. you're watching Hyman and it just makes you realize that unless it's like the Austin Matthews of the world, guys like Ilya Mikheyev are going to come and go on yeah. your hockey team mm-hmm. year by year because yeah. you just can't afford to pay players like that anymore and watching Hyman I love Zach Hyman we sat here last year praised him and he went he signed a big deal Edmonton sucks like he's he's made no difference to their team at all and then last night you're watching Bunting Kerfoot and Matthews and like Michael Bunting has nestled himself on that top line and he makes plays he's forechecking he he like is dangerous offensively. He can, guy can wheel. He's in front of the net, yeah. like pushing people around. Yeah. And it's just like Kyle Dubas made a very like. I wonder if what his explanation was for not signing Hyman. If he was just like it, it got too much, we couldn't pay him. And it's amazing how he found a guy like Michael Bunting for so cheap, who relatively does the exact for same two thing. Two years, yeah, and they have camp for two years. That's too. that is. To me, that's the best part. So, like, everyone, anyone. not think that was going to work out and I think I actually think he's been one of the more consistent guys so I mean if you're if you're going four for five you're going to the hall of fame in baseball so Mm. I mean that's a pretty good of course the guy who makes the most money is the guy who sucks but I mean whatever um what what are we gonna do when it comes out in the next couple of weeks that Dave Tippett is out and Mike Babcock is in 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 Edmonton. When are we gonna find out that Connor McDavid wants out of Edmonton? When are we gonna find out that? Yeah, uh, honestly, Connor. Like 
Yeah. No, but also, no, but even, <laughs> even if he doesn't want to come here, Rob, he wants to come here. But no, but even no, 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 no. But let's. I just want to be a troll for all. No, no, no. But let's. But let's pretend like he he just wants out in general. Yeah. Do it. Like, come on. Like, we're going. Like, let's look at the NFL. Right. We're about to go into an off season where everyone is going to be like. Where Where is Russell Wilson going? He's had enough. He's sick of the Seattle Seahawks. Aaron Rodgers, all last season, yeah. and now we've watched it play out this year, and it could happen again. And even with mediocre players, too, like this whole like Baker Mayfield situation. Like, yeah. There's always players wanting like, to switch teams and stuff. And, and Just do it. Do do the heel turn, Connor. I don't even care if, you, if, if it's the Leafs you want to go to. It, like, whatever. Do the heel turn and just say, this organization's a disaster. Everyone you bring in is a disaster. You like how? There's no goaltending. Yeah, they have no goaltending. Like they have no goaltending. And their defense too, man. I'm sorry. They have a like, couple of good pieces. Like I don't mind Bouchard, and I would take Darnell Nurse on the Leafs in ten seconds. But they're they're an odd group that bunch. And yeah. but honestly, like I I watch their games and I partly blame like the culture they've created there. Say you're a third liner on the Edmonton on the Edmonton Oilers, and you're watching McDavid and Drysdale go out there every single game, log the most minutes, every chance they get to go on the ice. They're scoring, you're not scoring, and maybe because you're getting a lack of opportunity and you're not getting the ice time you think you need to get, and all you hear about is how great Connor is yeah. and how much you suck. Yeah. So it's like you're a third line player on that team. You're like. F this. I like, just this think sucks. Like, well, I'm getting blamed for everything. Meanwhile, McDavid's not back checking, but he's getting all his cookies. Like, you, I, I think there's a bad dynamic on that team between those top two players and the rest of the team. Cause all of them are just like, if I was a fourth liner on that team, I'd be like, this sucks. Like, we're just getting blamed for everything. Meanwhile, like, they're our leaders. They're occupying pretty much all the salary cap. Yeah. Like, I'm fascinated by them because, you know, as Leaf fans, like, like at the end of last season, that, we all like a lot of us bang the drum about like you need to look at trading one of the core four and everyone highlighted Marner and all that kind of stuff. The Oilers, it's like, what do you do? Like you, you literally have you could make the argument that they're the two best players in hockey, and your team stinks. Also, I know why everyone is is speculating this because Kenny Holland, but like, have you have you watched Dave Tippett in the media? Yeah. Have, you, have you listened to the guy speak? I like Dave Tippett. So do I. But have you listened to him talk? Yeah, he knows he's done. I think he sounds like he knows he's done. No, but like it, have you, his demeanor and everything about him, right? Yeah. Traditionally, look what's happening in in Vancouver. Okay, they fire Travis Green. They bring in Bruce. There it is. He Go comes though. in. He comes in. He brings a bit of like like I love Bruce. Everyone yeah. loves Bruce. The guys clearly love Bruce. Why? You're going to fire Dave Tippett and you're going to bring in a worse version of Dave Tippett and Mike Babcock. Are you kidding me? That Kenny Holland. If you want to make the situation worse, by all means, hire Mike Babcock. But what do you make it worse right away? That's the thing. I, I, is Mike Babcock worse than bringing in Torch? I do. Or, or is Mike Babcock worse than bringing in... But I think, listen, Elaine Vigneault. No, like, but again, okay, you're seeing this across pro sports. I I, I want to harken back to the NFL as an example. Okay, like 
you're seeing the end of the old boys club with the with the exception of Bill Belichick. You're seeing the end of the old boys club and you're seeing these new coaches sort of rise to prominence. These new young coaches, right? Matt LaFleur, mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Cliff, uh, the, Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury, the coach of the Bengals, Zach Taylor, is, yeah. I think is his name. Like, Let's get a little bit of that in the NHL. Like one of the like I, I one of the reasons why I love Sheldon Keefe, and even though you saw in All or Nothing that he is he is a little rough around the edges, he's a younger guy who understands like Mike Babcock is Mike Babcock. And he's gonna be Mike Babcock. And you're gonna bring him in and he's gonna just good pro every day in the white room. It's just gonna be the same garbage. And that team, okay. Will they get the new coach bump if they Maybe. bring him in? Sure. Yeah. But do I think long-term Mike Babcock is going to take the Edmonton Oilers to the promised land? No, Absolutely I, I think not. long-term, it's it's not the best move, and I get what you're saying, but I would be very interested to see what he would do stepping in there because he's traditionally like, he'll he'll come in, he'll find his Darren Helm, Zach Hyman, Zach Hyman yeah. his... Like whatever, yeah. and it'd be interesting to see what happens with like McDavid's minutes and Drysaddle's minutes because he'll hop in there and be like, "I, I wish I knew the Edmonton roster a little bit better," but he'll step in well, and if, be if like, you, "Do you remember a couple Zach of years Ryan ago, Nugent Hopkins?" And he'll be on the ice every ten seconds. They'll be rolling four lines. Drysaddle <laughs> McDavid would not be on the same line permanently after that. It would be very interesting to see what he would do. Do you remember? Um, a couple of years ago when they the Leafs played the Oilers and Babcock criticized how much how how many minutes they were giving McDavid. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think But honestly, I think he wouldn't be a bad fit for them at this moment because of that because I think that everything's just so heavy on those two and I get it. They're just like the points they put up are st- it's so dumb how, like, after every game, they both have the same amount of points and they're just dominating the rest of the league. But they're losing. But I think that he's the type of guy who knows how to use his depth in the right way, in the right situation. So I feel like him coming in and maybe looking at it and seeing the way he could reduce those minutes and get those guys at the bottom of the lineup to step up and play a bigger role. I mean, I think right off the bat, he he wouldn't be... It could be a good thing for them. Yeah. But it's just... You're, it's not so much about him coaching. Like, you have a problem with him coaching. It's like, you're bringing in a force of nature. Yeah, like, yeah. just the interviews, yes. the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the one-liners, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. like, bringing guys into his dressing room, making them write lists yes. down yeah. about guys who don't work hard, yeah. and then sewering them <laughs> 10 minutes later. I like I just don't. I think... You you want to stay away from that if I'm Edmonton oh. and that that's a fragile fragile group. But yeah, honestly, if if they keep losing any day now, any day now, you're gonna get the um, tippets out Babcock's in one hundred percent. But you watch, I think analyzing their team, it doesn't matter what coach you bring in there. You you look at the Leaf game against Colorado. When you're all on the road like that, it gets a good team in the NHL. You need a good goaltender because you're going to face the NHL is not perfect. You cannot play a perfect game. At some point in every game, there's going to be a flurry on you. So early in that game, they gave up that power play and they were getting kind of hemmed in their own zone. Jack Campbell, solid. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. What he was able to do. And then they go down and they get their goals. 
like you th- having Mike Smith and Miko Koskin, like it's just <laughs> yeah. they're not a complete team. No. And then you saw it with the Leafs last night. Like eventually, having like Hole and Muzzin and some of those guys, Dermot out there, like yeah. eventually kind of caught up with them because those guys sometimes aren't the best. No, they're not. So like th- their lineup is completely flawed. And then and then the, the penalty call on. TJ Brody towards the end of the game when he got tied up with Kadri. Yeah, that was and dumb. The, oh my god! Yeah, like Jesus. Like, like, like I, I've said before, you and I aren't bash the official guys, but <laughs> what are we doing no. with that penalty call? Yeah, honorable net. Before we get out of here, I'm gonna give an honorable net mention to uh, William Nylander. Oh yes. Um, what can you say? You know what? You know what it is. I know there is something I want to say about William Nylander, and I think we need to remember this. Okay, do you remember when you were in your early twenties, and like you, you didn't, you weren't the the mature young man that you are right now? No, I was a complete idiot. Could you imagine being in your early twenties and being handed millions of dollars? And yeah. I think that, like, I think the old school contingent of the fan base is very like, oh, they're getting paid millions of dollars, <laughs> but it's like, it's like. You got to remember, these are kids. These yeah. are kids that are coming in here and like look at look at Ovi. Look how long it took Ovi to become mm-hmm. like a man's man in the NHL. Took Ovi's, him a while. Ovi's arguably having like the best year of his career yes. right now. Him, <laughs> like not not everyone is Sidney Crosby. Not everyone is going to come into the league like and just Taves Yeah, or, not everyone is going to come into yeah. the league and just automatically be be a goat. Like yeah. not everyone, right? Mm-hmm. So William Nylander is a perfect example of somebody who you see it, you you felt it in the series against the Habs last year. You felt it in training camp this year with the with the stuff he was saying, and you've seen it in his play. There is something that has clicked mentally for him, and he now is like, I I know what I like. I care about having a legacy in this league. Yeah, I care about, and you know what. There's some internal competition. You don't think he looks down at the bench at 16 and is yeah. like, I'm better than you. Yeah. Like, you get all the opportunities here, mm-hmm. and everyone, if they were going to write out a depth chart of this hockey team, would put you ahead of me. But it's like, no, no. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just as good as you. So I think that's simply what's happened with William Nylander. I think he's just got to a point where he's like, okay, I've got my money. I had my 20s. I've been my my celebrity. Uh, there's I've I've taken the picture of me with the cornrows eating the prosciutto like 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 the like, like and now he's just got to a place where he's like I'm good. Like I'm ready. I'm ready to be an elite force in this league. Here's a lesson to every single skilled hockey player who gets who are in the same realm as William Nylander, where you get chirped for not enough effort, not getting back defensively. Here's a lesson for you hockey players out there, because there's a lot of them yep. in every sport. Yep. If you produce, yep. that goes away. Yes. Your mistakes will not be as bright when you're leading the team in points. Yes. Or scoring the amount of goals you need to score for the player that you are. Or like, looking like you're making a difference out yeah. there. Like he is contributing offensively almost every single night. Yep. And that's what he needs to do to get people off his back. And plus he has been getting a little bit better or getting in more physically. All oh, that's great. But at the end of the day, if you're a skilled hockey player who your main job is to put the puck in the net, if you do that, then it's all good, baby. When they first put him and 
Tavares together last year. I didn't love the pairing. Like, I knew it was time to try Matthews and Marner, but Tavares' success since he got here was so much, like, because of he, he had Marner on his wing. And at first, I do think it took them a while to sort of click. Now, William Nylander is elevating John Tavares. Yeah. Like, John Tavares is a more effective hockey player night in and night out because William Nylander is on his wing. I don't think he's been better than Marner on that spot on the power play. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I'm sure they're buddies, they're teammates, they've known each other for years now, whatever, but you don't, don't tell me that William Nylander doesn't look at the situation he has in front of him and think to himself, I'm just as good as Mitch Marner and I'm tired of, I'm tired of yes. like, being like not being put in the same sentence. As no, you're right. And uh shout out to the least power play. Number one in the NHL. Number one in the NHL, baby. Yep. Oh, boy. All right. So, four-game road trip, some 10 p.m. starts. But you know what? Typically... They're going to get tested, though. They're playing some good teams. Yeah. Typically, I I struggle through the 10 p.m. starts. But just because they're in U.S. buildings with fans, I'm yeah. going to stay up and watch they're them. They're playing 100%. good teams, too. Yeah. They're not playing... They're, this isn't the California road trip. They're playing Vegas, who's back. They're playing St. Louis, who's back. Yep. Like there's some good teams playing Arizona needs to pay their taxes. <laughs> Don't blow a four one lead in that building, please. No, no, in that building that's not paid for. Yeah. Don't 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 blow a four one lead in that building. All right, we're gonna get out of here. We'll be back uh, sometime next week. Thanks everybody for checking us out. If you like what you see, hit that like and subscribe button below. Also, if you want to interact more with us, head on over to our Instagram at Talking Buds Podcast. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We really appreciate it. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.